This week on Another Brother. Everything, and you're just like doing it, and you don't feel like it's coming from you. And Vikings called it Berserk. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I don't even know how I killed that guy. It just, <laughs> just happened. I get in a flow state. But it's work. Yeah. <laughs> so like, <laughs> at the end of that flow state, the result of it is, you know, my translation project is set up or something like yeah. that. And he's like, Gift of tongues. how dare you come here? Are you kidding me? Why would you come here? Okay. I am going to kill you. Brother over here. Brother over there. know what we're talking about i mean you you do you just don't know that that you do (laughs) we ended the last one with let's talk also about what creativity does for you like Mm. what do you get out of out of it so what it feels like when you nail something right yeah also the more positive side of it yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yes (laughs) that's actually the agony and the pain (laughs) (laughs) social commentary right (laughs) for me I touched on this a little bit last time, but when you're in the zone creatively, it's Mm. very much like the movie Soul, the Pixar movie, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where they go to the different realm. I need to rewatch that. I need to, because I'm not remembering exactly what you're talking about. There's moments, at least for me with music, when you're improvising, you're composing, you're kind of making stuff up as you go, and... You surprise yourself. Hmm. And those are like the coolest moments where hmm. you've officially tapped out of the <laughs> thinking brain and you're now just in feeling brain. The receiving, I think you yeah. mentioned a guitar player calling it that. Yeah, or like conscious and subconscious. Mm-hmm. Where it's still you, but you're not fully deciding everything you're doing yeah your hands are just kind of going if it's a piano or right i'm glad you brought this up because i forgot last time i did want to ask you more about that so like that's not something i've experienced as a runner or in other sports you know i've experienced being in the zone or getting your second wind when running so like i know what that feels like and where you're just you know you're just going but creative wise yeah, that's. I, I've never had a creative outlet where I feel like that's something that I would have experienced. Like, it's a lot easier when you're doing something performance based. Yeah, to get into that flow state rather mm-hmm. than like cutting wood and then screwing it to the wall <laughs> right. or cutting this part of this video clip and this one. Right. So, like, I mean, that sounds awesome. I'd like to be able to experience something like that, but it's like it's even hard for me to understand what it feels like yeah yeah i mean musically it's like a little different level but if i had to compare it to something more standard for people who aren't into music um it really feels like when you're doing an action in your everyday that you know your brain doesn't have to think about and Mm. so it just kind of shuts off And so, like, if you're 
like with cooking, um, there's a very specific motion you have to do to flip stuff. Yeah. But eventually you get to the point where it's like brushing your teeth. As you're brushing your teeth, you're not actively thinking, you know, back forth, back <laughs> forth, back forth. You're just, your hands right. are kind of moving around your mouth. It's on autopilot. Yeah. And musically, I feel like that's what's happening is that there's been enough training, there's been enough practice, there's been enough understanding of music theory and kind of what sounds right and what I want to do that then the brain just goes on autopilot. And that's when you get surprised because you realize that your brain has all these infrastructures in place, but sometimes you don't explore every area there because you're thinking about where you want to go. You know, like if it was a direction, it'd be like, I want to go straight and then I want to turn left. Musically, it's like, I want to do this chord and then I want to do this chord. But when you get into the zone or like that toothbrush mode, you're kind of just present. You're there. You're just walking. And you're not even realizing, oh, I I went straight and then I went left and then right and then straight. And so, yeah, I think it could be analogous to a lot of athletics because in athletics, a lot of people talk about yeah, kind of going on autopilot or yeah. you'll hear people talk about plays they did and how did you even think to do that play? And it's like, I didn't, I just did, you know, I reacted mm-hmm. and it's because that infrastructure is there and then it's just reaction. I think it's in the psychology of productivity type conversation that people call it flow. Yes. So when you said flow state, that's that also helped click some things for me. Yeah, like I believe to get into the flow state, you need to have the right amount of stress, but also the right amount of skill at the same time. And when those things overlap just right, which is not it flow doesn't require that your challenge is at the same level as your skill. Your challenge has to be a little greater than your skill level. It has to push you a little bit for you to get into flow for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, that's what I guess psychologists that study this sort of thing, that's what they say about it. Yeah. Ancient Celts would call it Awen. Huh. Yeah. That 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 mode that you go into where you're just receiving everything and you're just like doing it and you don't feel like it's coming from you. And Vikings called it berserk. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I don't even know how I killed that guy. It just, <laughs> just happened. But I mean, that's cool. It's like, I think there are sometimes while I'm working, I get in a flow state, but it's work. Yeah. <laughs> so like, <laughs> at the end of that flow state, the result of it is, you know, my translation project is set up or something like yeah, that. Right. Not like I just, you know, I don't know, ripped off this sick guitar. Like, rock. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, to further that whole idea of work is different than maybe something else. When I worked at the MTC and I was on camera during an interesting musical number or a choir number, and I was running camera, I already said that, (laughs) I'm running camera, (laughs) you're given a shot list that says, for these bars, we want you to be shooting this general area like these, uh, we want you on the tenors or the men in general or whatever. And we want you to start with uh, 
tight shot and we want you to pull out to something medium over those four bars or something like that. I would specifically find ways to dress it up a little bit more, mm. make it a little bit more interesting than just a plain old pull. So I put someone in the top right of my frame and then I'll pull out while also panning and tilting at the same time. So they stay up in the corner. So you just pull straight out. as well. As sure. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, mo- most of my time run- running cameras, it was all robotic. So I was like on a joystick with mm-hmm. some, like a twisty cap at the top for my zoom and uh, a-, a knob on the side for iris or something, you know. But sometimes when we weren't working out of the MTC, but we're doing these productions at the Marriott Center, BYU's basketball stadium, while they were redoing, refinishing the floors of the gym at the MTC, those cameras were manual. So you'd be down on the floor. And if you wanted to move, if if you wanted your camera to do any movement other than just panning and tilting, you could because it was on wheels. Uh, your sticks were on wheels. Uh, your tripod was was on wheels. And so it was hard because it's not the same as a dolly. Dollies are like skateboards on a track that mm, move very uh-huh. smoothly, that are made to do very specific things. Yeah. But, you know, I found ways to like, I would I would lock the wheel, one of the three wheels, and then use that wheel as a pivot. Mm. And I would practice pivoting around the piano and then doing a, like a, I, I would push <laughs> down on my, on my end so that it tilted up yeah. in the choir as a transition from the piano to the choir. <laughs> like you, you just find ways to challenge yourself more than you are being challenged. And even though it was work, I was still getting in, into the flow state at times. It's just that some work, it seems like some work might I don't want to say some work is just not going to be fulfilling to human beings, but <laughs> but for me, not all work is going to be fulfilling. But I don't know. Are there some people that would find that kind of work that you were just talking about fulfilling? I, I don't know. Do you find yeah. it fulfilling? Um, not the daily tedious minutia. Uh, the more fulfilling things, to your point, are when you've got this big challenge in front of you. Mm-hmm. Maybe a small challenge, but something that seems unreasonable, unlikely, something you won't be able to pull off, and then you do pull it off, that's satisfying. So it's more when you like look at the big picture yeah, sort of, that, of your job or and what you're accomplishing. Picture. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, because it's not, I mean, <laughs> project management is not overly creative. <laughs> Sometimes you get creative, but it's a different kind of creative. So from that perspective, yeah, I wouldn't say it's satisfying, but end results can be satisfying. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what about as a translator? Did you ever get into flow state as a translator? I mean, I translated so seldomly. Okay. What about interpreting? Yeah. Interpreting, I was just thinking about actually, because I do that. I interpret twice a month, every other Sunday now. I think so. I think I do actually. It depends a lot on the speaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there's there's this one woman who she just enunciates so clearly 
in general, her topics are easy to understand. Hmm. This is sad. What I'm saying is she's easy enough to interpret for. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I can kind of just, I'm just going. So most and of I'm the time. I'm keeping pace with her and like, I'm not thinking. I'm just spitting the English out. So that's the right level of challenge for your skill. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Whereas if you get like those babushki from Kazakhstan. <laughs> <laughs> they're talking about like weird financial things growing up in the Soviet Union and hmm. sometimes I'm like oh gosh or if they're quoting too many things <laughs> hmm. so that's fair I, that's satisfying too yeah I guess right. yes in general flow state's pretty satisfying yeah I mean that's the point Getting the zone. that's the point of it is that the means becomes the end like you do the activity because the activity itself is satisfying, not because you need the money out of it mm. or want the money out of it. Like just doing that thing, if you're able to get to into flow state, becomes the satisfaction that you crave. And to get back to the point of what we were trying to talk about, <laughs> yeah, like when I when I am able to get into that kind of a groove, especially with a creative project, it it's just it's, it's satisfying in a way that. It, needs a better word than satisfying satisfying doesn't cover it it's... i thought of one and a, a, a different adjective okay see if you guys feel this way since you brought up inter- interpreting for me it, it did make me think of it in a different way thrilling sure yeah, yeah. like being in that state is kind of thrilling like, like jared you were saying like it's almost to the point where like you're impressing yourself or you're surprising yourself you're kind of disassociating. Yeah. You're, you feel like you're watching yourself you're do something. You're just witnessing almost. what yeah. you did. Yeah. And to me, I suppose, seeing that or experiencing like, whoa, I just did that is kind of thrilling. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's almost like an adrenaline rush minus the adrenaline. So it's like a healthy <laughs> adrenaline yeah. rush. And then I, I'm not, I'm not going to say there are good enough interpreters out there and depending on what they're interpreting it's a performance mm-hmm. i wouldn't say that i perform but i'm still trying to convey the same kind of emotion the speaker has sure um so that that all just kind of wraps up into it for me seeing how well you not only match the words but the intent mm-hmm. and the delivery as well it yeah well, and I like the word thrilling because there's a hint of danger in it. Yes. Which I think is really positive, actually, for flow state. Right. Because you need that little bit of stress. You start thinking to yourself, oh my gosh, I'm doing it. Yeah. I could <laughs> yeah. not be doing it. Or I could mess up right now. Or right. all sorts of things. But that kind of like makes you excited. Yeah. Thrilling is a perfect word because it, it's positive, but there's also the stress. There's right. also the chance you mess up. Right. But yeah, that fuels you in a good way. It's a yeah. positive. It's not a negative to have that stress, like performing. Mm-hmm. Like so many people, the hardest part of performing is beginning. Mm. But once you begin, mm-hmm. like you're saying, that stress level actually starts to assist you rather than detract. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. I, <laughs> yeah. Not all the time. Yeah. Just sometimes. You, you, it definitely takes practice to like get out of the way of the flow state. Because like you can, you can focus too much on the stress instead of like 
getting out of the way of the stress and letting it move you through the experience, which just sounds so weird. But, but like thinking about like when I was a freshman in high school, marching out onto the field Mm -hmm. in front of 60,000 other high school kids and their parents at like Reese's Mm -hmm. stadium at Oregon state. Dang, you guys, you filled that stadium. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. Those competitions were huge. Um, were those state competitions or there was only one like actual final you know state competition but everybody came to u of o and osu regardless of which one ended up being like the the state competition Mm -hmm. at the end of the season yeah like as a freshman when it's finals when it's time for finals it's dark you know you're late into the fall season at this point in time so it's dark by that point in time the lights are in your face. You can hear all the people out there. It's freaking stressful. But, and and there were times when I would focus too much on, these people are watching me, what am I going to do? But I got used to it somewhat at times, as even as a freshman. But then as a senior, like, it's just all about the performance. You, you mm. learn to get out of the way, yeah. and you just do your thing. And it is thrilling and it's so dang satisfying that when you don't do the activity anymore, it, it can be a huge problem. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like trying to quit cold Turkey from a, <laughs> from an addiction on, on some kind of dependency type drug. And nobody really warns you about that <laughs> when you graduate high school as a band kid, that you're going to miss the, this like crazy. You don't even know. You need a support a support group <laughs> for this. But to put it in even more different terms, getting back to like a, a theme that we normally talk about on the show, video games, like in Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom, I never got terribly good at the combat skills in that game. But sometimes when I go to fight a Lionel, <laughs> the hardest creature of both games, I think, the the most challenge like boss fights not usually as challenging i think as even just this lionel that's just walking around the world all the time anyway there there have been times where i just get in the flow state and i dodge every one of his attacks and backflip at the right time and i guess in those moments i do find i i think i do feel a little bit of adrenaline <laughs> so <laughs> i guess to say that adrenaline doesn't play a part is probably not true <laughs> I really like what you said about it, it's kind of corny, but it, it really does. The flow state makes you think of the journey, not the destination, mm. you know? And I think that's probably the biggest reward of creativity is just realizing that you've done something and that you weren't thinking the whole time, I'm going to finish this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get to the end of this. Cause I feel like a lot of life is, I want to get to the end of this day. I want to get to the end of school. I want to get to the end of whatever. But a flow state, partly because of the stress and that stuff we've been talking about, forces you to be present and to only be present. Yeah. And so when you're done, you do feel good, but also a little empty because Mm -hmm. you realized, oh, I'm not, happy that I finished this performance. I'm not happy that I finished this work. I need more. That was good. I want to get back to where that was. Yeah. Uh, 
I also feel like time slows down like crazy. So like it's really hard not to be in the journey because time just slows down so much. You get seven minutes on the field as well. We did. I don't know if it's still the same when you're doing your marching band shows and it feels like an eternity when you're in it. Like it, everything just slows down. You can feel every nuance of what you're doing because time doesn't exist. And so you can just get all these little details. It's crazy. So I, I thought of maybe a, a delineation based off what Jared was just saying between result-driven creativity and performance-driven creativity. Mm. It's like when I'm making my silly, silly little YouTube videos, there's no flow state. I'm sure there are editors and other, you know, producers, whatever out there who do. I do not. But so like for me, the point is the end result, the deliverable. And I have a couple videos where like every time I watch them, I'm pretty darn pleased. Uh-huh. Like I'm proud of what the output was. Right. And it makes me feel good. Makes me feel proud. But the process itself, while I enjoy it, it's not like I revel in the process. I'm wondering if sometimes, Alex, you feel the same with like graphic design, for example. Because again, to me, that feels more, now if you love what you love, you're going to enjoy doing the process as well. But Mm -hmm. you have an end deliverable you want to get that you want to sell or give to someone or whatever it may be. So what was my question there? <laughs> the distinction, performance, results. Yeah, I, I don't know. Do you guys see a difference there? Because mostly, Jared, I feel like you've been talking about performance based. Mm-hmm. To, I think to talk about it in terms of like these flow state psychologists, whatever, I would say that your skills aren't at a high enough level yet. You betcha. And that's why that's you're not able say. to get to any <laughs> kind of a flow state because yeah. even when you're working on a deliverable specifically, I think I think there may be more of a challenge to find flow state, to find the performance in what you're doing, but it's there. And you need to figure out, you know, your skills, you know, get, build, build up your skills. And it eventually becomes not about, am I cutting this correctly? But what am I going to say? by making this specific cut or this type of cut? Could I put a J cut here? Like you you develop a voice because you're at this level where you don't think about the skills anymore and you get into this flow state of you're telling a story. You're not editing anymore. You're telling a story and that becomes your, yeah, your flow state, even as an, a deliverable driven yeah. editor. That's what I think. Because I've found that with writing and so... Tons of writing I do for school is very results driven. Mm. And I remember when I first started doing academic writing, it was such a chore. Yeah. And like yeah. nothing came easy. And it was like the opposite of good being in the moment. It was like I was so in over my head. <laughs> I feel like I'm just grasping at straws, trying to figure out what's work. Right. But over the years, I've gotten to the point where I've done it enough now that there are times when I can sit down and I can churn out paragraph after paragraph and it's just coming. Mm-hmm. And I never thought that would happen with academic writing. But honestly, <laughs> I feel like a lot of stuff is just like a product of time and a product of consistency. 
mm-hmm. because like I've done guitar for a long time mm-hmm. since I was 13. But if I don't touch it for a while and go back to it, it's it's back to the drawing board almost in terms of it's hard to get into that flow state. Mm-hmm. So you need like accumulated practice doing something. But then you also have to be doing it frequently enough where those infrastructures that your subconscious relies on when it takes over are there. Because if you wait too long, <laughs> you know, yeah. at least for me, it feels like maybe I have to take a day or two to get back into it. Right. And then I can get back into the flow state. Right. But never on command. Because mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. about you, that's a whole other topic. But even with piano, which is my most comfortable instrument, I don't think I can necessarily go into flow state on command. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I agree. And I'd be curious if there's people who devote their entire life to a certain Mm -hmm. skill where they can almost do that. Yeah, I'm sure there are plenty of people in Japan. (laughs) I was going to say, I didn't want to stay here talking about that. I mean, that's what I understand. I I don't probably understand very much about Japan, but (laughs) if there's one thing I do understand, it's that there are a lot of artisans that are just... Completely dedicated to a very specific <laughs> discipline. Mm-hmm. Uh, Business Insider has a lot of great little videos about all these different craftsmen. Yeah. Craftspeople. Are they the ones that did like Japan. the uh, the brush maker? Probably. The calligraphy the, brush the, maker? The uh, little tree. Oh, gosh. Bonsai. Bonsai. Pruners. Mm. Ink. Calligraphy oh, ink. Yeah. Mm. Making that stuff out of the soot and everything. Uh, a lot of restaurant owners. Yeah. They, they're up at three in the morning. They're sharpening knives. Mm-hmm. They sharpen the crap. Oh, wasabi. Out of that's what I was thinking. They're doing Another the knives. One. They're yeah. churning noodles. They're all sorts of stuff for hours upon hours just to get it right. They, it, like you were saying, it's their life. They do it until they physically can't do it anymore. Like retirement's not a thing. Yeah. It's crazy. So I want to know if they can go into flow state on yeah. command because that would make that life a lot more enjoyable. It would make it make mm-hmm. a lot more sense too. Yeah. Like That's why would true. you retire? You love doing that because of the flow state. Mm-hmm. That, there's that nothing that would top it. Yeah. Right. Why? Why? Yeah. Retirement? What would yeah. be the point? <laughs> I wouldn't know how to oh, ask man. that in Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> that completely changes my perspective on people who don't want to retire though right Mm. what activity is going to compare yeah well especially because flow state has a high barrier to entry right you know like i always thought of myself as a pretty decent writer for school but when i started doing papers it was a whole nother game Mm. and i feel like that's with any skill you try to pick up even if you have some kind of latent natural abilities at it there's just this wall that you have to get over first. Yeah. And so if you've dedicated your whole life to one thing <laughs> and everything else is just a bunch of walls, why would you want to leave it, right? Yeah. 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 That's a good point. I haven't thought about it like that. Ah, hey, kids. Do you know what time it is? Story This story is going to be the scaredest I ever was in Japan. Mm, The most frightened for my life I ever was. Oh, okay. Oh, now I'm really interested. And I'll say, I'll say this caveat. 
This is not including some of my <laughs> unfortunate injuries. Like one time pushing the wrong brake pedals on my bike and flipping over and landing <laughs> on my back on the ice. Oh, on the ice. Or not paying attention and flying into a car at full speed <laughs> down oh my. my bike. The guy drove away after two once he saw me. Oh. I think he was okay. like, oh, crap. <laughs> That's a foreigner? <laughs> I'm not dealing with this. U.S. Embassy, nothing. <laughs> mm. Okay. So this took place in my fourth area in a town called Furukawa. It was about an hour away from Sendai, which was our mission's center. Hmm. And so this is in the Tohoku region of Japan, which spans from some of the northern prefectures above Tokyo up to the very tip of the main island. That was my whole mission. Hmm. People in Tohoku are primarily rural. There are sizable cities across Tohoku, mm -hmm. but it is not. Tokyo. It's not Kyoto. It's right. not Osaka. It's it's a different game. And in my opinion, the people there are crazy nice, even compared mm. to what people usually think of the Japanese mm. in terms of oh. treating people they don't know. Because mm. in Tokyo, you'll hear about stories of people running after you if you've left your wallet or you know, stuff like that. And sure. I feel like that stuff is complete par for the course every day hmm. in rural Japan. Tons of welcoming people, tons of kind people. So this story is definitely an aberration. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh no. <laughs> um, so it is in the evening. My companion at the time is Japanese. If I remember correctly, he was from Okinawa. Lucky guy. <laughs> <laughs> he would show the most amazing pictures. But anyway, we were going door to door at the time. That happened a lot more than we wanted to, hmm. just because of the lack of investigators. Hmm. Um, hmm. In our church, there's about 430, 450 missions. I don't Does know anyone? Anymore. I don't, yeah, I don't okay. recall the number anymore, but yeah. It, it's in that ballpark. Sendai, Japan which is no longer a mission, by the way. <laughs> oh. It was absorbed by Tokyo North. Mm -hmm. Was consistently in the top five lowest baptizing in the world. Mm. And so, very hard to find investigators. Very hard to get anything going for a variety of reasons. Sure. Japan, for many reasons, is very suspicious of organized religion, <laughs> especially from foreigners. Hmm. <laughs> because there have yeah. been several large-scale money laundering scam type oh, activities from foreigners. Dang. So Christianity's definitely been wrapped up in that. Uh, um, so that's is. playing a part. In Tohoku, there's not a lot of foreigners at all. And so that plays a huge part. You're even more suspicious. Yeah, exactly. Mm. They, I was a lot of people's first white person they'd ever seen. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <gasps> It's not in real life. They're real. Yeah. <laughs> I've only seen them on TV. Yeah. Wow. But anyway, there's a lot of reasons for why that is. But the people are lovely. I had a great time. But in this area, we were going door to door. And to this point, I had never really had a bad door to door experience. Hmm. And mostly 
that's because of the nature of what door-to-door is like in Japan. Because you're actually not usually dealing with people at doors. Right. You're usually dealing with their intercom, yeah. uh, which okay. even in cheaper apartment complexes will have a video. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And so... You that can, they get to see or that you get to see? That they get to see. Okay. Yeah. So you, you see that there's a little... There's some slits for that speaker and then yeah. you can see a little camera. Sure. And so you ping that. Sometimes that's 10 to 15 feet from the door, mm-hmm. <laughs> depending mm-hmm. on the house. Yeah. Like outside a gate? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it can be pretty hard as a foreigner to try to understand Japanese through an intercom. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because syllables aren't as clear. Mm-hmm. You can't feel the consonants. You can't see someone's mouth moving. Right. It's very hard. But because of that, door-to-door was rarely scary or sad or demoralizing (laughs) because you're basically talking to a bunch of boxes all day. Right. And usually we would ping, we'd get a little bit into it, our spiel, and then we'd hear, ah, kekko desu, which is, I'm good. (laughs) And so then you kind of just move on. This complex we went to on this night did not have intercoms. So it's a little more nerve wracking because you got to actually knock on the door. Okay. And because how just standardized the intercom feel is in Japan, anytime you had to knock, it just felt like a loss. Oh, I got to knock. Interesting. (laughs) This is very interesting to me because we were always trying to get in so that we could knock. Mm, and yeah. they could see us face to face. Yeah. That's what we were wanting. So, yeah. Yeah. On. I think I think if I was Japanese and my companion were ja- if we were both Japanese, I think that would be preferable. I see. Yeah. But as a foreigner, you're uh, kind of hoping that they might, realize over the intercom that you're a foreigner and they might be curious yeah, and they mm-hmm. might want to come talk. Right. And then it doesn't even have to be about religion. They're just curious about you. And that's usually good into making friends and sure. whatnot. Um, but we had to knock on this door. It was on the second floor. It was a tiny apartment complex. So it was only two story. We go up the stairs and the side go up. It's about the third door. We knock. We're kind of frankly on autopilot at this point of the day. We're tired. It's dark. We probably shouldn't be going door to door, but it's literally the only thing we can think of. Yeah. And a man answers. And granted, it's not later than eight. There's no way. Okay. This guy is plastered. Oh. He uh. is so drunk. His mm-hmm. jaw slack. His movements are kind of Jack Sparrowy. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely is drunk. And he is angry. Oh. And what's really fun about Japanese is that when you're angry, you roll your R's really <laughs> aggressively. <sighs> Almost, I, I'm i not even going to try to do it because I cannot replicate it. But you can look it up on YouTube and people will have clips. Maybe you should put like a <laughs> like a little soundbite clip here <laughs> as an example. <laughs> But it is really associated with like thugs and gangsters. So, in like, so is this like more Yakuza? 
that's like the f- vibe it gets, right? And so, like uh-huh. in an like in a TV series or an anime, if they want to dis- if they want to showcase someone as kind of like a thug who's dangerous, they have them roll their R's like crazy. Mm. Huh. I've it, never heard this before in Japanese. Yeah, that's crazy. I, yeah, I think we've actually talked about this before. This isn't so much a grammatical thing as it is a cultural thing, right? Because mm-hmm. like in Romania, they have an entire case for vulgarity. <laughs> what? But this is just culture. This isn't grammatical. Yeah. Okay. Totally culture. That's super cool though. <laughs> but I don't know if it's got a name. I don't yeah. know what it is, but it's it's the realest thing. How funny. And you never hear it in real life. Never. Because you're never uh, in situations where you would hear that, especially because <laughs> everyone's huh. all too nice. Everyone is so kind to you. <laughs> huh. And so you never hear it. And it's very hard for a foreigner to understand. So he is going off at us. Every R is just, and it's really just angry. And I cannot understand him. (laughs) I'm like a year and a half in. This is probably like my peak Mm. language ability. Mm -hmm. And I'm completely lost because he's also slurring. Right. So it's slur and the R's are getting rolled. And when the R's get rolled, they often go into the next word and kind of blur. And it's just impossible. And so thank heaven that I was with a Japanese companion. That's what I was just going to say. Because I was completely over in my head. And I'm just like trying to follow along. He's starting to get up into my companion a little bit, getting close. And by getting close, I mean like Japanese close. So <laughs> personal space is pretty big there. <laughs> so mm. he's kind of getting within a foot or so of him. And I'm thinking... I have no idea what's going on. I can't even help if I wanted. I have no idea what's happening. What did we do? Is he just mad that we're here? Is he just drunk? What is happening? Yeah. And he keeps going and going. And then my companion, who's looking pretty freaked out. <laughs> so I'm imagining he's saying some probably gruesome stuff. How big is this guy? Not big. What's his build like? Okay. Not big. This guy is maybe five six. He's pretty okay. thin. He's kind of slouchy. Again, Jack Sparrowy, yeah, kind right. of, because he's drunk. So maybe close to like average age. Mm-hmm. Probably late. Okay. Here's the other thing about Japan. <laughs> Guessing <laughs> ages is almost impossible. He looked 40, so he's probably in his 50s. Okay. <laughs> so my companion starts talking, and he's talking mm. very polite. And that is a grammatical change that you can yeah. hear when it happens. Like, okay. he's That's Separate case, yeah. and conjugation and everything. Right? Yeah. And normally that's kind of how we functioned as missionaries. You're always told to be in the polite form. Yeah. But he was speaking very slowly, very calmly, just trying to diffuse. And while he's talking, the guy just slaps him. (gasps) And I have zero idea how to react. (laughs) Because (laughs) not only do I have no idea what they're saying, Maybe he deserved it. (laughs) (laughs) My companion, I should have been able to understand what he was saying, but I was so stressed out at that point that I was just uh, completely gone. Sure. And I can tell my companion's just like shocked. And you can see like the cold sweat starting. And then, I don't know why, but for some reason, I started to be able to understand the angry guy. Uh, And he's like, Gift of tongues. How dare you come here? Are you kidding me? Why would you come here? Okay. I am going to kill you. (laughs) 
I am so angry right now. You know what? And at this point, I had like put my hand on my companion's (laughs) shoulder because I was a little worried he might do something stupid. Not really. Okay. But when someone gets hit, you never know how they're going to react. Yeah. And I just heard way too many horror stories on the mission about people getting attacked and trying to fight back and the mess that happens because of that. Yeah. And so there was probably like a 2% chance he would (laughs) fight back. But even for that, hand on the shoulder. Sure. And he's he's like pointing at us kind of drunkenly. And he's like, I'm going to call the police right now. And you better not move an inch. (laughs) I don't want to see you move an inch. If you do, I will kill you. What the heck? And it was terrifying. (laughs) Even though I probably have this guy by multiple inches and 30 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So my companion doesn't say anything. I feel like at this point, why would I say anything? (laughs) If he's saying stuff like, why are you here? There's probably some race involved too. Sure. So me opening my mouth is going to do nothing. So we're both just quiet. We stay still. And he's pointing at us and he's closing the door slowly and he's still (laughs) pointing at us and the door clicks. (laughs) <laughs> sorry this is just this is good imagery my companion and I look at each other we don't have to say anything we're out of there we're booking it yeah we immediately turn <laughs> run down the hall run down the stairs oh right you're inside of a complex mm-hmm. this isn't through the gate knocking on someone's personal door mm-hmm. yeah so we're worried like can you hear anything behind us we're just trying to go because it's Japan. I'm not worried he has a gun. Yeah. I'm not worried he's actually going to do anything, but he is drunk. Right. And he could very well have a knife. That's not out of the realm of possibility. Mm-hmm. He's at that stage of drunkenness, like anything could happen, right? Sure. And so we book it down. We don't hear him following us, but we're running so fast that we can't really tell whose footsteps we hear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, clinking on the stairs. Mm hmm. And so we turn and we realize that the bikes are kind of parked under the complex window where he is. So like, imagine like the first row of apartments and in front of that first row is a bike rack. Mm -hmm. And then his second floor Mm -hmm. is right there. So he'd be able to see us. And throw a knife. Or something or call the police or, you know. Right. And so we realized our our bikes are locked. So then we'd have to fiddle with the locks and stuff. Yeah. So we look at each other and we're like, we're ditching the bikes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dang. So we just book it. We try to go in kind of like a zigzaggy pattern down the streets. Because he's an alligator? I don't know what we were thinking. (laughs) (laughs) We were acting like he was this like serial killer. but We had just wigged out. I've heard enough like fictional horror stories Mm -hmm. from Japan that. I'm I'm with you <laughs> <laughs> because of the fictional horror yeah, yeah, dude. <laughs> like Ringu. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we run for maybe two three minutes, and then we call it quits. We walk back home, and we're just still kind of shell shocked. I'm really proud of my companion for not doing something stupid, mm-hmm. but it was such a shell shock to me. Because a tiny, tiny micro story to illustrate what normal interactions were like. Right. There was one time 
we were riding up a hill and my companion's slacks got caught in his gears uh. and his pants ripped up from the ankle all the way up to the waist. Just Holy completely ripped open. Crap. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I, I was next to him and it just looked like his pants. <laughs> Zipper. What the <laughs> heck? So he embarrassingly like <laughs> tries to wrap it around <laughs> his leg and we try to ride down the hill. <laughs> we knock on a door. A woman comes out and she's like, oh, are you okay? Because he's, you know, holding on to his pants. is all tattered up. We're like, yeah, um, they ripped. Is there any way we could like get a sewing kit or something? And she's like, you know what? I'm about to go get groceries, but here, come inside. We go in. <laughs> she's like, here's the sewing kit. Just sit in here. Sew your pants. I'm leaving the house. No way. What? Yep. Holy cow. And I'm a foreigner. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> So that's, that's like crazy. I don't even know of any like podunk American <laughs> towns that don't lock their front doors that would do that. So that's my frame of reference to this drunk dude <laughs> slapping right. my companion. It was just the weirdest thing. So we went back the next day and got our bikes and it was right. fine. Oh, and nothing ever bikes. came of it. We, there was there was no police involvement. Everything was fine. But that was the scaredest I ever was because as soon as it clicked and I could understand him, it just got creepy because I could understand everything he was saying. And it was straight up like anime level, like not just kill, but like really kill. Yeah. You know, like that hmm. kind of stuff. I guess the anime was what I was thinking of. Yeah. Like, ugh, they sound so creepy and scary okay. and angry when the villain is like, sure. And now it, Hey, if they can create that kind of stuff in anime, who knows what an unhinged <laughs> drunk guy can do. <laughs> so, you know, for the whole mission to be, for that to be the scariest thing, it's not bad. Could be worse. I never yeah. had anybody threaten to kill me on my mission. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that's Granted, intense. if he was not inebriated, I don't think he's doing that. Yeah. Like, if he's sober, I don't think he's saying that. Probably. Probably not. But. I got told on my birthday to like go back where I came from and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, <laughs> but that's the meanest thing besides that. It's like <laughs> sewing lady. <laughs> oh, go back to where you came from. That's okay. And then I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> One of those times wow. when you probably wished you hadn't entered flow state so that you yeah. couldn't understand. Because <laughs> I, I got the creepiest chill going up my back when he I said bet. that because I mean I never thought a Japanese person would hit one of us right it wouldn't even cross my mind he did it and I was shocked yeah even though he was getting closer I should have realized but yeah yeah I mean I never saw anything like that in Italy <laughs> not once someone hitting you in the face it was such a yeah, such a frustrating slap too. As well, it was like, <laughs> you know, like it's not even like the full body. Watcha! It was the I can't even look at you right now. That kind of hmm. punk slap <laughs> made me really, really angry. <laughs> but I kept it in. Thank you. Thank you. Dang it! That's what I was gonna. Do. Oh shoot! Do it. You're gonna do it better. Thank you 
for being our brother. Wow, did that we might just be nail too that? energetic, though. Okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll take another run at it then. Okay, for, for being, being our brother. brother. <laughs> that the first one was too energetic. <laughs> gotcha. Production of this podcast is done by Alex Stewart with music by Jared Poff and Alex Stewart. For show notes, rock and merch, and other brother goodness, check out our website at anotherbrotherpodcast.com. Be sure to come back next week and tell your friends so they too can become a brother of fucking.